Welcome to Prophets and Prodigals, the podcast where we explore the walks of life and faith of individuals most would expect to have it all figured out. The Bible is peppered with stories of prophets, prodigals, and kings not following in the footsteps of their parents or tripping up quite a bit along the way, proof that sin nor faith is genetic. Despite this, there is a misconception that many children of ministers, missionaries, and other followers of Christ have got it all figured out. In this podcast, we'll chat with individuals who have lived starkly different lives than their parents, those who felt called to follow on in those footsteps at an early age, those who have walked away from faith but have returned, and those who are still searching. Welcome to another episode of Prophets and Prodigals. And today I am speaking with Howard, my brother, who I can say is my actual brother. I know I often say that the people that I speak with are my brothers and sisters, and they are my brothers and sisters in Christ, but this is my actual brother. So I'm excited to talk to him about his experience um, in his relationship with God and growing up in the faith. And we will just jump into the questions. So uh, what would you say originally connected you to the church? Go ahead. So I think for me, it's, it's very interesting. I think for me, I was connected to the church before I came into the world, actually. Um, my parents were um, are a part of the church. And so I initially grew up in the church uh, at a very, from, from infancy. So there's always been a connection with the church for myself. Uh, there's no point in time where church was not a part uh, of my life. Okay, yeah, I can relate. <laughs> so what would you say then is your earliest church memory? Oh my gosh. Like, you know what? There's the memories that I have. And of course, there's always the memories that your parents have. So mm-hmm. my earliest memories is that we used to, is um, um, there was this club that we had when we were going to church in Guyana. I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, it's not coming to me, but I would attend this club every, uh, it was in midweek. So like uh, how you have Bible study yeah. and uh, I would attend this club and I, uh, and I remember sort of like just being an active part of that. And, and as we're talking about it, I remember the song. I kind of have vague memories of the song that we were saying that was a part of that sort of like opening and closing for that particular club. But it was a Bible club. And you're talking, I'm talking about when I was like four or five years old, right? So, oh, wow. no, that's, just, that's one of the earliest memories that I have in terms of like um, being uh, involved in church. And of course, there's other ones where, you know, my parents have told me about, um, my parents have told us about me uh, preaching, you know, pretending I'm preaching uh, oh, from the pulpit after church with another, uh, another uh, young guy that I grew up with. So, okay. And so would you say that you always believed in God? Like, would you say you always had this belief that he was real? Um, and if so, what is it that made him real to you? Um, I would say that, I've, uh, yeah, I've always had a belief in God. I don't think that's never been, uh, that's never been a question, mm-hmm. uh, whether God really exists. Um, there is a point in time when you're young that your belief in God is tied to your parents and so you know there is that there's that personal belief but that personal belief early on is so heavily influenced by 
your parents' knowledge and what your parents are teaching you and your parents' your parents' values, that you know, there was no ambiguity. There was no sort of um, at no point in time with our parents was there any questioning of their faith in terms of God being. So there was no naturally there was no questioning for me ever about God being real. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so so it's always been it's always been there. Um, I would say though, and I'm just kind of, and I don't want to jump ahead in terms of questions, but I would say there was a point in time though, where the realness of God mm-hmm. sort of um, appeared through my own personal struggles. And so there is that knowledge of God and the understanding God exists and God is real, mm-hmm. but then there's that personal connection where God becomes truly real to you as an individual through life circumstances. Right, yeah, yeah. I definitely agree with that. <laughs> that like what you're saying about your parents' influences because I think that is, it goes both ways, whether or not your parents believe in God or they do, mm. that really influences how you yeah. see him and whether or not yeah. you believe he's real and have any type of relationship with him. Yeah. So, and, and I think, and the other thing I, want to, I would add quickly too, I think is because I've also had a very, um, I'm, I'm, I really love the outdoors. I love nature. And I always, I think for me, that's always been my way of seeing God as being yeah. real to me. Yeah. Um, you know, so being in nature and, I, and just being an, observing that, I see the realness of God in creation, you know, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be in the woods or <laughs> within the last week, we've seen some amazing images from uh, the uh, James Webb's telescope. This for me just, again, in real, and it's right on the back end of Hubble, which is really kind of, wow, the, the yeah. creation of God. God is real in such a physical way yeah. when you look around at creation and look at the, just the diversity of people, but just the, the diversity of this universe in which that we, in which we live, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. It, it's true. Like when you're outside and you look at things, like even just something as simple as the ocean, like mm. that, like that's, it's this massive body of water. And mm-hmm. like it's just so beautiful the way that it works and mm-hmm. the way that it works in time with the earth and how all of those things are connected. Like it's yeah. just so much bigger than we can possibly yeah. imagine. Yeah. So, and I think that's that's what makes it real. The, the, the complexity and the ingenuity and the creativity of God, mm-hmm. you know, when you see how all these pieces come together, yeah. you know, God is real because none of this stuff is by chance. Yeah. You know? And it's interesting because it's not just in the universe and the way that we see nature work with, you know, with us as human beings. It's also in our lives. Like we see him, we see his hand in our lives in all of these little ways and mm-hmm. then everything kind of comes together. And mm-hmm. you may not notice it at the time, but you kind of yeah. look back and you're just like, oh my gosh, there's no way that that's possible. Unless yeah. there is something bigger out there, like that could mm-hmm. not possibly happen. So yeah, it's really cool the way that he works. Like the fact that he's so complex, and the fact that he does, he has all these little plans for a bigger plan. Yeah, and yeah. little things that we can't see, and bigger things that we can't see. So there's like these mm-hmm. little things that he's doing, and bigger things are happening, and maybe we feel the bigger things that are happening, but we don't realize that it's God in the in the background and it's yeah. him behind the scenes. And then at the same time, we have big things that are happening to us, <laughs> or I should say, sorry, little things that are happening to us day by day, but then there are a, there's a bigger plan with all of it. So we don't realize yeah. that- We don't see that. Puzzle. Like he's putting it all together mm-hmm. and we don't see it. We don't see the big picture. So yeah, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's definitely for me, I can agree with that and say that that's what makes him real to me is the fact that he's got this plan that's so great and he's doing all of these little things. He's working out all of these details that we may not realize at the time, but when yep. we look at it, like he, my goodness, like there's the things that he does, it's amazing. Yeah, and, I, and it's interesting because I, when I reflect on um, when I reflect on life, right? To your point, I often sort of like find myself thinking, looking at our family and seeing God in the smallest details in our family, and how He's sort of like He's worked and brought these pieces together, and and I think at times that's also why my faith is so strong because it's not strong just because. My par- our parents' faith is strong. It's strong because I've actually been able to see what he has done and how he actually interacts and how he's interacted in our family's life, you know, and how he's like, there's situations where my parent, where our parents have told us about stuff, right? Yeah. And we're like going like, and we're like going, really? Yeah. But, but he's working behind the scenes. We don't see these things. And then you're like going, whoa, you know, like he's definitely hearing and acting and engage and engage in our life and I he's not this sort of um outer outer worldly figure that just kind of looks down yeah exactly and has like a puppet strings or anything like that he's actually yeah. engaged actively engaged in our lives right yeah yeah and he's concerned with like every part of our well-being which yeah it's just it's a whole other conversation but it's so true like the idea that I think a lot of people see God as a puppeteer <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like or mm-hmm. as like Earth is like a dollhouse. I used to think that all the time. Like there's this dollhouse and he's just kind of playing with us. Yeah, whatever yeah. happens happens, and it's all for his entertainment. But it's not like yeah. that at all. And then yeah. I think that that all that realization that that's not who he is doesn't come until you enter into the relationship with him. Yeah, yeah. So when would you say? What would you say your relationship with God is? right now and how would you say that it's changed over the course of your life so i would say my relationship with god is probably (laughs) the best it's ever been right now and it's crazy to say that um when you think that you know when i look at my age and look at the the, you know how long i've been a a believer a baptized believer Mm -hmm. uh, and would actually have to say that it's, it's actually come into I've come into my own in the last um, last 12, 12 years, mm. right? Um, a lot of that is due to life circumstances, you know? A lot of that is when life throws you these um, these curveballs, you know, or situations come up, uh, come up in life, you know, and how we respond to that, to those situations, right? And, um, you know, I made a tough decision about 12, 13 years ago to come back to come back to Canada, come back to Toronto. Mm-hmm. And I stepped out in faith uh, when I came because I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what opportunities would be available to me. All I knew is I couldn't be in the environment that I was in. Mm-hmm. And I think that would probably be the first time in my life I'd put my total trust in God. Mm-hmm. Like 100% trusting God. I say, you know what? I'm going back. I'm going to have to trust you to to direct me. But what happened prior to me making that decision was the situation that I found myself in at that time thrust me, forced me really to really connect with God through prayer and through reading the scripture, like uh, in a way that I hadn't prior to that. 
I was always sort of like that hot and cold. You know, you go through that spell where you're you're reading scripture, you're praying, and then you go through the spell where you don't do it. And then you go back and do it again, and you don't do it. And I found myself in a situation where I needed. I would call. I would say I was at a point where. Um, There's only two points in my life where I was I was ever here, and I, I was at a point where I was even questioning the, valid, the the validity of life itself. You know, is worth is life worth living? Um, and uh, and it was at that point in time, and a lot of that is like I was separated from you guys. I was separated from the family. You know, uh, everybody was here on the, on the eastern part of the continent. Um, I was isolated in on the west coast in the United States. Um, didn't have any family. Didn't have any friends around. And I would say that was my lowest point in my life. And I think that's when I was at my lowest point is when I actually reached out to God, yeah. and that relationship started to started to develop from there, you know. And um, and it's been it's been a it's been a, a a journey along the way. It was those ups and downs. And then about two years ago, I have to say that with everything that's happened within the last five to six years, you know, it's really, again, really ignited me on a, on a level where I'm like, I am much, much, much more intentional now in my, um, in my, in my Bible study life and my prayer life, you know, um, and, and that relationship with God because I'm trying to make sense of everything that's going on. And the only way for me to make sense of what's going on is to dive into scripture. I'm not diving into the news. I'm not diving into what people, articles that people are writing. I'm diving into scripture to make sense of the world that we're in. Mm-hmm. And I just keep coming back to the fact that God is ultimately in control. Yeah. It doesn't matter what this person does or what that person says or does. God is the one that's in ultimate control right now. And he has, to your point earlier, he has a master plan. Exactly. And often we don't see what that master plan is. Mm-hmm. We want to see what the master plan is, but he reveals what he needs to reveal to us at each moment in time. And we yeah, just have to be right. content with yeah. that. Yeah. And so I think that the circumstances in life 12 years ago, the situation that's occurred over the last uh, six years has really gotten me to the point where I've kind of found a place for myself also within the community of faith, mm-hmm. faith where, I've, where as part of that, I felt that there was no space for me okay. yeah. um, due to sort of life circumstances right mm-hmm. and that's interesting um and i'm gonna go off script a little bit i hope it doesn't mess things up that's okay <laughs> but i just i'm just thinking about how you say that you know you didn't feel like there was space for you in the community of faith even though we grew up mm. in a house where you know that's all we knew yeah so i'm just yeah. interested in how and maybe there is no real answer and maybe you don't have the answer for the question but how does that happen? Like, how do you grow up in mm. a home where your parents believe in God and they don't just say they believe in God, but they live it out? Mm-hmm. And you can see that they're not hypocrites. Like, the, the way that they live their lives, the friends they have, the things they do, the things they engage in, um, it was obvious. And looking back now, I can say it's obvious that they were genuine people. Like, they. Mm-hmm what they were saying was true and they are believers and they have a relationship with God and they taught that to us. So you would think that if you have parents who are teaching you about God and about all of these things and, and kind of like raising you that way, 
that you would feel like you have a space, but what what do you think plays a role? And, you know, somebody mm-hmm. growing up in the faith not feeling like there's space for them there. I think, I, you know what I think it is? I think it's the, and one of the questions you talked about faith versus religion. Mm-hmm. And I think religion has really had an impact on our faith. Yeah. I think a lot of us are religious, but not us not a lot of us lack faith. Yeah. And so um so for me, uh about oh my gosh, oh Lord, twenty years ago, was this twenty years ago, twenty plus years ago, maybe about twenty five years ago, I went through a separation and divorce. Mm-hmm. And I remember going through that and at the same time I was in seminary. Mm-hmm. And I remember going through all that and the conversations that were happening in seminary uh, around other is around other sort of challenges and struggles that people were having. And so the environment that I was in, which is an environment that was supposed to cre- create and help pastors to step into that field of being able to be pastoral, which is caring for those who are hurting, was very, um, was very um, judgmental. Right. Um, I remember I was I was in seminary around the same time, or shortly after Jimmy Swaggart had come out and talked about his uh, his in this, his sexual indiscretions and how he had fallen. And I remember the jokes that were coming out from quote unquote seminarians, mm. who you thought would be praying for this man and seeking. You know, I'm saying this is good that he's come forward. He's acknowledged it, you know, and hopefully that God can step into his life and continue to use him and use his ministry. But you, found, you I found there's a lot of people cracking jokes. Yeah. Um, I'm familiar with a lot of, um, of uh, a number of people, actually a lot, a number of people who, um, one, uh, went through divorce, but were pastoring. Um, I, I, I believe that one individual was probably questioned their their um, not uh, was questioned their sexual identity. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're seeing all these elements, and you're seeing how quote unquote religious sort of faith people, because they call themselves people of faith, right. but more religious, responded to those individuals. I think that's where, for me, there was no space for me within the faith community, mm-hmm. uh, based based on how uh, what I went through and what I saw other people had gone through. Yeah. And so there was this judgment that you know, this notion that they're able to pass judgment on on me for uh, my sort of failures in 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 relationship and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so. That's what I mean by that no space. The space has always been there within our family. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, but the space in the broader um, broader spectrum of Christian community was not there. Yeah. Um, and I would have to say that that was also highlighted about six years ago when we saw some shift. And I wouldn't say not just six years ago. I would say that that's something I've kind of observed over the over the years. And as I've gotten older, I've gotten a little, a better sense of sort of what was important to people mm-hmm. and how religion was more important than faith. Yeah. Religious practice, laws, those were more important than loving people and caring for people that are most vulnerable. Yeah. And so you kind of watch the... You you, you 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 don't necessarily 
pay attention to that when you're younger, because when you're younger, you're not you're you're not necessarily separating religion and faith. You kind of see them all together as one. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But as you get older, you kind of see this religion and this faith thing are two separate things. They're different. Yeah. Religion is very corporate. It's mm -hmm. about it's about laws. It's about it's about don't do this, don't do that. Mm -hmm. Faith is about a relationship with God. Faith is about a relationship with each other mm -hmm. and recognizing that when others have fallen, that you come alongside them and support them. Faith yeah. is about meeting people where they're at. Religion yeah. is about you need to come to this level. Yeah. Once you get to the level that I think is appropriate, then we can talk yeah, about faith. Yeah. yeah. Right? And so, and that to me has been... What? That's why I said there's no. I, I felt initially there was no space for me within, within the community. But at the same time, I always found myself as somebody who was outspoken, yeah. and and had more. To, and I would and I would and I, I and I say this with all humbleness, a, a level of prophetic of, of a prophetic voice, mm -hmm. a prophetic voice being that voice as of of calling into question not the larger populace mm -hmm. which is what tends to happen mm -hmm. okay you hear when people talk about prophetic voice sometimes today it's like well you know i'm speaking to the lost world yeah if you think about the prophets the prophet spoke to the people of israel which was god's people yes so yes. when you come with a prophetic voice yes. i'm speaking to the people that supposedly read scripture and understand scripture. That's mm -hmm. who I'm speaking to. I'm not speaking to people who don't read scripture and don't understand scripture. Right. And so I found myself more and more now that I've gotten older, that there is a space for me. Mm -hmm. Now, whether that space is welcoming, that's a different story. Mm -hmm. But there's a space for me. And that space is not because those individuals have created the space. That space is there because, because of my faith and my understanding of scripture, there's a space for me for God has using me to speak on issues that are relevant yeah. and, to, and to challenge the corporate body mm -hmm. to really reflect what God is all about and not what, quote unquote, the religious practices we want to develop. Yeah. So in essence, what I, sometimes I, I, I will tell folks, I really feel that what we have today in terms of religion is very similar to what we had in Jesus's day. Yeah. It's no different really. Yeah. You know, the religious leaders of our day are no different than the Pharisees and, 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 they're, and they're not from the Pharisees. They're not, they're not different. Yeah. They're, not. they're identical because if Jesus came today, these same people would crucify him yeah. because he doesn't follow their religious practices. He sits with the wrong people. He talks to the wrong people. He engages the quote unquote wrong people. And he calls the wrong people. And he <laughs> calls the wrong people. Yeah. You know, I actually said to somebody this sermon, we had a sermon on the prodigal son the other day. I may be going off here a bit, so forgive me. Okay. And not the prodigal, sorry, the, the, the good Samaritan. Right. And I said, I said, oh, the twist. What if the good Samaritan, right? What if the person that was, that was wounded was a Christian? Mm -hmm. And what if the good Samaritan was someone from the LGBT community? Just, just, to, just, just, to, just to mess people up, because if you look at it, the person that was injured and wounded was Jewish. Mm -hmm. The person that stopped to help the wounded Jewish person was a Samaritan. Mm -hmm. It's no different yeah. today. And so we look at that story like, oh, the Good Samaritan. But do we really know who the Good Samaritan could be in our society today? Yeah. yeah. And so I find myself looking at those pieces and saying, okay, what, what actually is faith? And how do I separate faith from religion? Mm -hmm. 
right? And I think that's where my growth has come over over the number over the last few years is really focusing on faith, focus on, on the relation, focusing on what scripture actually has to say is about how we live our lives yeah. and less about this religious practice of, hey, go to church, go to Bible study, yeah. which is more religious practice than it is about actual faith. Yeah. Because the faith that we need to practice, which is loving those who are not like us, don't look like us, don't talk like us, don't act like us, that's that's faith. That's it's practicing that aspect of the faith, and not just the ones that we feel comfortable with, and allows us to look holier than thou. Yeah, and that's one of the things that struck me. Like over the past two years, and um, since I've rededicated my life to God, I that's one of the things that struck me too. Is that, um, like when it comes to the Bible, there's so much in the Bible about God's character and about who he is and mm-hmm. who he wants us to be. And it just, it literally is just repeated over and over mm-hmm. over and over again. It's like, mm-hmm. God is good. He loves us. He wants good for us. Like mm-hmm. it, it says it over and over again, God is love. Like that is who he is. And there's so much about what his character is, is in the Bible. But I think that when we're younger and not even just when we're younger, I think that there are a lot of, unfortunately, there are a lot of churches who aren't necessarily teaching that. Like they're not talking about yeah. who God is and how much he loves us and what he wants for us. They're talking about all of the rules that we have to follow. And that, and that's interesting because because it, it counters what Jesus came to do. Mm-hmm. If, 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 if law or rules would have saved us, then yeah. Jesus would never have had to come. He wouldn't have had to come, yeah. But Jesus came not to abolish the law. No. But so that the law can truly be fulfilled. Yeah. Because and, and and when we and when we when we respond in faith, we're responding because we're not responding out of oh well I'm obligated to do that. We're responding out of love at the core. Love, and that's the thing. And at I the core, it's love. And that's right? the difference. I think you just hit that on the head. Like when that's the difference between religion and relationship. Right there is that the things that we do, we do it because we love God. We're not mm-hmm. doing it because we feel that we have to do it. And I think yeah. once you make that transition, that's where you enter into relationship. When you're doing it because you love him so much and you're doing it because you want to please him, you're doing it because you want to worship him, that's when you enter into relationship. Yeah. Otherwise, you're doing it for yourself, one. You're doing it for other people, for them to, you know, because you're worried about what they see and how they see you behaving. And you're doing it because you're trying to check off a box. And, and that's like three things do not make relationship. Yeah, <laughs> you can be in a relationship with anybody and be doing things to check off a box and doing yep. things because you're worried about how other people are watching and doing things because it's the law. Like, it has yeah. to be, that's not a real relationship. And if you're in a relationship yep. like that, that's toxic relationship. And that's yeah, we're not in toxic relationships with God, and He doesn't want relationships like that with us. If it was a checkbox, like I said, if it was a checkbox, then Christ would not have come. Yeah. Right, and so I think, and I think, and the reality of it is difficult for us to check the box, anyways. Yeah, and and, and the thing about that love that he has, that and 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 this is a this is a hard part for us to wrap around. I preached on this a few weeks ago. This is a hard part for us to wrap our heads around. The love that God has for us is that love that. It doesn't matter whether we stumble and fall, he still loves us. Yeah, he still loves us. Yeah. Right? It and doesn't then, mean I can go out and sin and do whatever I want. You know, we used to say, like, go on Sunday and sin and then go Saturday, Friday night, Saturday and sin and then come to guard work. That's not what we were talking about. That's yeah. not the kind of, you know, but what we are talking about is legitimate situations where 
you, we will stumble because at the, at the core of it, we're imperfect. We have not reached that level of perfection. And, and I think sometimes there's an element where people feel that they've reached that level of perfection, mm-hmm. right? And therefore, because they've reached that level of perfection, one of two things, I can now sit in judgment yeah. of others, one, and two, I can't sin. Yeah. And when you get to that mindset where you see yourself, that's the devil's like going, all right, I got one for you. I'm going to show you that you're still vulnerable. And we see it in some of our leaders. We saw it just a few years ago, you know, in one of the big leaders, you know, in the conservative evangelical movement in the States, him and his wife engaged in in, uh, relationships that would be deemed if that was just the average folks in their congregation, they would lose their mind on that. Yeah, yeah. But when you get to this level, it's not as, as you've seen yourself perfect and not and not capable of sinning anymore. Yeah. You know, and so that, we really, it's really about that. And I, again, I'm not perfect. And I'm never going to pretend that I'm perfect. Mm-hmm. I have my imperfection. As Paul says, I have those, that, 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 um, I have that, that, that Achilles heel. Yeah, I have that one thing that will always, you know, and it's funny because sometimes I'm like going, why me for this, right? But I'm thinking, it could be something else, (laughs) you know? Yeah, but I think God, like, I had a conversation with someone about this the other day about the thorn. And even in, like, Mm. the content that's coming out this week when I spoke with Sari, um, she, we talked about the same thing, like this shadow thing or this thing that is with you all the time. But I honestly think that God keeps those things with us to keep us humble. Yes. If we thought we could reach perfection, I mean, we see humans out there who aren't even Christians, who aren't even believers, don't have a relationship with God, who consider themselves perfect, and we see the mess that follows. Yeah. Like, we see that all the time. So it's like, the idea that you're perfect, that's, I think, is the biggest misconception of people who don't truly understand what relationship with God is and what faith is. I think there's this misconception that it means that you are supposed to be perfect and you're supposed to be doing everything the right way. And I think that's the biggest turnoff too. Because yeah. people, don't, people already know, we know within ourselves that we're, it's not possible for us to be perfect. And so yeah. at least I can speak from my experience. One of the reasons why I kept tripping up is because whenever I made a mistake, I would just feel like, well, what's the point? Like I can't mm-hmm. do this. Like, and I would just feel like a failure every time I made a mistake or every time I, I sinned or whatever. I would feel like, well, this is impossible. Like I'm st- I felt like I was starting over every single time. Yep. And and yep. that is not the way that God wants us to feel. He wants us to know that He loves us, that there's a path that He wants us to walk, and that we just need to keep seeking Him, but that we will mess up, but that He will forgive us when we mess up, and we just need to keep asking for His help. So I think that's one of the things that at least in my life, I want to be able to to tell other people or to show other people, I guess I should say, showing rather than telling. I would want to be able to show other people that you don't have to be perfect in order to have a relationship mm. with God. And I think but, he really wants us to know that. Uh, Hebrews, um, Hebrews 11, the, the, the epitome of faith, yeah. okay? Abraham. Abraham is considered was considered faithful to God. Yeah. But Abraham was far from perfect. Yeah, the father of faith. David was considered like crazy. David was considered yeah. faithful. But yeah. David was imperfect. And he yeah. And so and, <laughs> and Job who was blameless but was like Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you had Moses, you know? 
And I think part of part of what we've done is we've created this saint, saintliness around some of these figures. Yeah. And then we avoid some of them. So we don't talk about Rahab. Yeah. You know, who from how is she, and again, I don't, this is from the English translation. Mm-hmm. So I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna use that as a, as a precursor because I, you know, but you have Rahab who's, who was considered a, um, a prostitute, mm-hmm. okay? But yet was faithful. Was faithful. So when you start to, but we don't talk about these things in church yeah. because that would just be like, oh my goodness, oh, I can't touch that. Yeah. But if we actually touch that, we're talking about real people. Exactly. We're not talking about these idealized people, you know, this this saintly image that we put up of of this person of Mary and Mary, who we who has been elevated to sainthood. Yeah. Right. But yet, she was imperfect. Mm-hmm. She, and, and so I think we don't we 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 try to whitewash mm-hmm. what people people's lives and make it look pure and white and simple. Yeah, and not look at the complexity of these individuals, yeah. because if we look at the complexities of these individuals, we would really understand what faith is all about. Yeah, exactly. Right, and we wouldn't see them as these individuals who are just—we um, wouldn't see them as just um, saints or just see them as godly people. We would have a deeper understanding what makes them faithful, yeah. and what made them faithful was not the fact that they were blameless. What made them faithful was that, in spite of their flaws mm-hmm. in spite of their struggles they were faithful to god and god yeah. was faithful to them yeah they believed him anyway yeah so i mean you kind of answered this question already but i think we could probably touch on it a little bit more when did you reach that point where you said you know this whole this whole religion thing everything i've learned all these years it's really just about me and him and about what i'm doing to please him like when did you get there <laughs> you know, believe it or not, uh, in spite of everything that had gone on, in spite of like that, like I said, the, the challenges, like what twelve years ago, mm-hmm. I would actually have to say it was within the last six years. Okay. Um, I would say that I started to really, when I, I think in the beginning for me, I was I was sort of on that trajectory, but I think what sealed the deal, mm-hmm. honestly, was Donald Trump. Um, and, I, and, and, and I say that not because it has nothing to do with Donald Trump. What it really, what I struggled with mostly was how evangelicals responded mm-hmm. to him and how evangelicals saw him as a savior. Wow. Right. And I, and, 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 and we're very, again, I'm not saying that I'm perfect, but you can't in one breath dismiss um, dismiss somebody because they don't because they don't have the same color as you while at the same time embracing somebody who is misogynistic yeah right so there was a, there was a true so I think that was one event for me I think the other event for me was the the rise of uh, anti-black racism mm-hmm. within our society the continued senseless death of black men and young men and young women at the hands of police. Mm-hmm. And I found myself trying to understand what is going on. Yeah. I, tr- I found myself trying to understand why is the church so silent? Yeah. And interestingly enough, I went back and started asking myself, 
are some of the great quote unquote evangelicals of our day. Mm-hmm. Where was their voice? Mm-hmm. Or was their voice as loud as it needed to be when apartheid was strong in our South Africa? Right. Yeah. And so, so I found myself questioning these individuals and actually, and in a strange way, questioning the validity of their faith. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I, I found myself saying, you know what, I need to, I need, I need clarity. I need to understand where, where do I fall, where do I fall into all of this? What, what's my role in all this, and what is my relationship with God going to be? And I think that's where I was forced to go there. You only have two choices at that point in time. Yeah. You can be very bitter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and begin to hate, to be blunt, mm-hmm. white folks. Mm-hmm. Because you're watching what's happened to the black folks, you watch what's happened to the brown folks, and you're not hearing anybody. There's no outcry. Mm-hmm. There's no. There's no level of of um, of um, of people being upset by what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so for me, I decided, okay, what what am I going to do? Yeah. And I think that's where I found myself diving into scripture, trying to trying to make sense. Mm-hmm. of of what's going on yeah. and and not not from the perspective of saying well god what are you going to do about this mm-hmm. god my thing was as i'm looking at it i'm trying to understand who am i in this whole world what's my place in this whole world what does god want me to do how do i respond mm-hmm. to what's happening mm-hmm. and i found what what i found happening for me was it was through that diving into scripture that I was seeing who we needed to be. I was understanding what faith meant on a, on a deeper level. And then how do I take that now and challenge folks around me and use pl- the platforms that I pre- presented with to challenge folks around me to really think not about not about the corporate environment, the corporate religious thing, but what, is the, what does that faith look like for you? What does it mean for you as an individual to speak up on these on these issues that are occurring? You know, as opposed to coming in, coming with your "quote unquote" religious sort of um, uh, evangelical line, yeah. you know, and so it also it also I also found myself trying to understand, and I even look back, for example, within the Maritimes, the role that racism has played in the split of the church, yeah. you know, and right now it that, there's even a deeper dive into understanding the role that the church has played in in um, in um, perpetuating racism yeah. okay but from a person from a faith perspective this is not about this is not about pointing fingers and saying look you failed but there is a, there, there needs to be a point in time where we, we need to come if we're gonna have to true true reconciliation true repentance mm-hmm. you have to acknowledge where you've gone astray you have to acknowledge the sins and the sins of your forefathers mm-hmm. in order to be able to move forward mm-hmm. and so for me I found my my I found faith being that, my faith growing that I'm dependent more on God to navigate this world. And I'm always telling, I'm always telling uh, Michelle, I'm always telling her that God's in control. Yes. Yeah. He's in control. It may look right now that, you know what, this court or this politician has got it in the bag and they'll be able to make all the moves and stuff like that. But ultimately, God is in control. I don't know what his larger plan is. Yeah. Okay, but he knows what his larger plan is, yeah. you know, and um, and so it's my it's through that that I'm able to navigate where we're at. It's through my relationship with him that I'm able to navigate. Like I said earlier, it's either that or become bitter. Yeah. 
And I think that right there, what you said is the epitome of faith is just recognizing and that God is in control. That despite what's happening around you, despite what other people are saying, despite what you're feeling, like despite what it looks like, that he's in control and he's allowed what's happening around you right now to go on. And it's a part of his greater plan. And I think, yeah, once you come to that conclusion, it's so much easier. And when I say so much easier, it's not that much easier, but it's easier. No. Yeah. <laughs> easier to have that belief that, that things are going to be okay and that you're in the right place in your relationship with him. So, I mean, you touched on this a little bit, but you can elaborate if you'd like. Um, when it comes to sinning and us, you know, as, as believers and as human beings making mistakes, have you ever done anything that you regret um, or that other people would consider less than desirable because of your status as a believer? And oh, yeah. Well, how did you do What did you do? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Most definitely. Most definitely. I went through a phase where I just kind of like, I, like right after, um, right after um, I was separated and and then and then divorced. I wouldn't say right after. Shortly thereafter, mm-hmm. I kind of went through this phase in my life where I just didn't care. Yeah. Honestly, mm-hmm. I felt that I grew up for the last. Uh, <laughs> at that point, I was like, I was like in my late twenties at that time. I was like, you know what? For the last, you know, twenty six, twenty five years, mm-hmm. I was this good Christian boy and yeah. you know and and honestly I just there's, there was a phase in my life for a few years where I just cut loose yeah. I just didn't care I lived I lived the life that I wanted to live yeah you know and I'll be honest with you is by the grace of God I'm still alive yeah. there are there are a couple of situations I should have been dead yeah no, no that's not even beat around the bush I should have been dead yeah. I put myself in situations that I don't know why I put myself in those situations yeah you know but you know but like we talked about our own um god you know our own thorn and um you know my thorn could have gotten me killed you know um and so i think for me there was a point in time where i just sort of um i just didn't care i i just gonna i was gonna live my life you know and um clearly at that point in time, I was thinking, you know what, if, you know, if this is what the church thinks, I may as well just live. Like, yeah. you know, if you're going to judge me now and I haven't really done anything, well, I'll give you something to judge me about now, right? But then but then in hindsight, there's, there's, there's a bit of a problem there because there's no space for you to be genuinely honest with people. No, that's the problem. And I think that's the part for me is why we're missing opportunities. You know, I think I would love to get to that place in my life where I can be generally sort of open about my own struggles and and how I've navigated to where I am today, you know, and say, yo, I still struggle, but be able to be uh, openly honest about that struggle because I know there's other people that are out there that could benefit from that. I remember one of my seminary professors said, we are called to meet people where they're at. We're not called to meet people. We're not called to for people to meet us where we're at. We're supposed to meet them where they're at. Yeah, and that's exactly what God does. He meets you where you are. Exactly. Like any, and most of the conversations I've had, like in, on this podcast, and then other conversations about other people, um, and how they they met with, like they finally came to understand who God is. It was always Him meeting them where they were. Yeah. And showing up when they least expected it. It wasn't yep. about, and I think there's something to be said about it. I mean, it, it, it's written in the Bible that seek him and you'll find him. So I do believe that they were seeking him in some way. But yeah. it's interesting to me that he doesn't show up when you think he's going to show up. Yeah. 
and he doesn't show up because you were reading your Bible every day that Yeah. Like maybe, but that's not the formula. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he shows up when he's ready and he knows exactly the time. Yeah. And it could be at your lowest point and you could be in jail or you could be in a hospital or you could mm-hmm. be finding find yourself in a really difficult situation where you have to answer and you don't have an answer. And like you know what yeah. I mean? But you could just find yourself in the most like the, the situation that is really not ideal for a believer to be in or for somebody who God would even care about to be in. And that's where he finds them. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that, like we were, I think you had mentioned it earlier about how, you know, people say you need to be at a certain level. Like they, they expect you to be at this level. Once you reach this level, then you can like understand who God is. But it's just like, no, <laughs> that's yeah. not the way it is at all. So yeah, it's really interesting that. Um, and I would say, I mean, I mean, look at the title of the podcast too. I think one of the things that we don't have in our world today, we don't have prophets, yeah, like legitimate prophets, mm-hmm. and we have few prodigals because nobody wants to acknowledge they're a prodigal. <laughs> Listen, I'm <laughs> like, I'll tell you right now. You know, nobody wants to acknowledge they're a prodigal. You know, everybody wants to be the other son. Everybody wants to be. <laughs> like if you if you think, I mean, go back to what we're saying. How, how often can you come into a congregation with senior leadership who are supposed to be seasoned Christians mm-hmm. and bear your soul? Yeah. And not be passed, and not have judgment pass on you? Yeah. Everybody's the other son. Mm-hmm. Father, I never left your side. What's going on? I'm yeah. perfect. I've been here. Mm-hmm. You're going to bring this person back into it? Come on. What do you, what, what's going on? What, what about me? Yeah. yeah. Right? And I think that's why, and we need to be careful with that too, because I really think that when that's your mentality, God will humble you. If you don't humble yourself, he will humble you. So you should probably pay attention to that um, to that verse in the Bible that says, humble yourself. <laughs> yeah. God's mighty hand and in due time he will lift you up. Because I really believe that if you don't humble yourself, that he'll do it for you. Well, he will. Something will go down and you'll be like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think that verse is to be taken lightly. Um, so then what would your advice be to people who are struggling then with their just their simple belief that there is a God or that he is the one true God? Hmm. I think you need to start off by really seeing him in the world around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this concept in, um, I'm not going to get theological on you, but <laughs> there's a simple concept in theology that talks about God being present in the world that we live. And that's our first inclination that God exists. Mm-hmm. And I would say that, and I think that it needs to start there. I think it's recognizing the, the beauty of the world in which we live, the beauty in, in, in his creation, whether it be in individuals, whether it be just walking through the woods, whether it be in the universe, is just recognize that beauty, recognize the complexity of that beauty and, and, and seeing the design of that beauty. I think that's the place you have to start in terms of that, in terms of that faith in God, especially when you're sort of trying to figure that out. Because I think sometimes if you want to get into the, the heavier stuff, into the, the life struggles and all this stuff, yeah. that doesn't help. Yeah, it doesn't help right off the bat. I think uh, going back to what I said earlier, I think because of my um, con- really my um, connection with with nature and the outdoors and recognizing God's beauty and God's creation and seeing Him real in that in that in that sense allowed me to see Him real in some of the more complex ways 
right. um, in in society in our in our lives. And so it's it's seeing him in the simple things first before we want to get into more complex things mm -hmm. to, to see him, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because in the midst of a war, it's hard to see God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you know, we've you know we've had these conversations before about about oh my gosh, you're looking at this happening over here, you're looking at that happening over here. How can there be a God? Look look at what's happening here, what's happening there, right? And not recognizing that um, that there's a God, yes, but there's also human beings, mm -hmm. and we bear some responsibility for the world in which we live. Yeah. He operates yeah. within our time and yeah. space, yeah. and so. Um, and yes, he's in control of everything, but he still gives us choice. Yeah. He still gives us that. And so we're able to make choices in terms of how we live our lives. He doesn't want to, if he wanted to prescribe our lives for us, he would prescribe our lives. And then he'd be no different than the, he'd be no different than the Greek gods well, or the Norse thing. gods. Yeah. 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 You know, so, so really it's recognizing, it's recognizing him in, his, in, in, in the simplicity of, in, in the simplicity of creation or the complexity of creation. Mm -hmm. Um, those things that are easy for us to sort of see and then sort of graduate to that next level mm -hmm. um, in terms of that. But it's it's also, I guess for me, it's probably easier for me as somebody who's grown up within within the faith. I've also relied on the faith of my parents and seeing how God has been faithful to our family yeah. has also been that sort of that, um, I always come back to that even when I'm struggling. You know, I said, well, you know what? God has been faithful, yeah. you know, when, yeah. um, and I, and I, and, you know, I see him faithful in something as simple as our parents come to a new country, mm -hmm. um, giving up very good jobs that they had yeah. to start a new life in, in a country away from their family. Yeah. God had to be there because that's not an easy thing for, yeah, for, for a couple to do yeah. and survive, mm -hmm. you know, not having family to be present to be supportive you know you think of how god has been faithful to both mom and dad in terms of dad's ministry mm -hmm. uh, mom and her ministry um you know the strength that he gave her to raise five kids yeah. by herself yeah. you know no family support really mm -hmm. you know so you know we've seen him faithful and i think for me it's for us it's kind of easier to see him in that way for somebody who's not grown up with their parents Right, and then they became a Christian, and then they're struggling. It's finding those, it's finding and reflecting on those weird places where God actually, uh, where you actually had that connection with God, where you can see God actually working and and um, and um, uh, making a and just sort of directing you, you know. And it's looking for those small uh, pieces to sort of continue to grow your faith on that, because that's what that's really what for me. I feel that's what help me to grow my faith is that it gets to a point where like, you know what? Yeah, I can't, I can't trust God because I've seen my parents trust God and, yeah. you know, and I've trusted him. And I've seen them trust him in the small things and I've seen how he's, he's actually had a hand in those, uh, on those pieces. And so, okay, yeah, I can continue to trust him more and more and more. Right. Yeah. So to get to the point where I trust and say, okay, I trust him now that I'm at the stage in my life where I said, I'm in my job. Yeah. If he wants me here, he'll keep me here. If he has other opportunities for me, he will open those doors. And that's a, and I just have to trust him and step through those doors. I mean, obviously you're having a conversation with him, whether through scripture or through prayer, to see if that's the door he wants you to step through. But if it's a door that he wants you to step through, trust me, he'll open that door. And so I think it's sort of like 
it's it's baby steps. It's not you know you're not gonna make like giant steps. Yeah. Off the bat, it's like you know let's, let's take an example of an infant. You start to crawl, you kind of walk a little bit unsteady, and then you drag yourself. you walk, but you'll still stumble, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So you touched on it a little bit about. Um, I mean, you, you talked about people who don't believe in God at all, so don't have that experience, they don't believe at all, and kind of looking at the, sim- like the simple things in life that have come together, and you're like, oh, there must be a God. So just kind of trying to see evidence of Him in their life somehow. And then you talked a little bit also about, you know, if you are a person who's grown up around faith or around Christianity or heard about it, um, looking at instances where he has been faithful and using that as a way to keep building your faith. So is there anything else you wanted to add to that um, when it comes to people who, so if you are a person of faith and you're just in a dark season where you're just, you're just like, you know, I've been following, I've been doing what I thought God asked me to do. And I, I thought that, you know, this was the right path that I'm, that I'm, that I'm on, that this is the path I'm supposed to be on, but things don't feel things aren't turning out the way I expected them. And you know, you are discouraged. So what do you say to somebody who is in that period? I mean, yeah, we look back. And I mean, I and I would say, I would agree with you what you were saying earlier, how we look back and we say, you know what, he was with me here, he'll be with me now. But is there any other advice that you can give somebody who has faith, but maybe their faith is fading? Hmm. Um, that's a that's a good one. One of the things that's actually helped me to is um, believe it or not, it's music. Okay. It's music. Mm-hmm. Um, I listen to a wide range of music, and I and I found that there was an particularly in mid two thousands a different direction in in, uh, in some of uh, quote unquote Christian music. I say Christian quote unquote Christian because some people question it. Mm-hmm. Um, that we're artists would really talk about their own personal struggles yeah. Yeah. and and it was coming through in in the in in the, in the songs mm-hmm. and it was you know one group that i that i listened to and it's funny i was actually listening to them today or the other day they're called red and their music can be very um i grew up let me i'm an 80s product kid okay so i grew up with rock and roll yeah. and so it can be very hard but when you stop and listen to the lyrics, you know, and it, and, and the lyrics are real, talk about people's struggles mm-hmm. uh, and identifying with that and how God is there in the midst of those struggles, I found that that was more powerful than some of the old hymns. I find some of the old hymns were a bit disconnect from the reality of the world that we're living in, didn't necessarily uh, touch on some of the issues that people are dealing with now. So I found music for me uh, was very helpful uh, in sort of navigating that that space because I found music where people were like, you know, I'm here too. Yeah. I've been there too. Mm-hmm. And God has helped me to sort of come out of that, yeah. come through that particular space. So I think there's a combination of, there's, that, there's an aspect of music. I think sometimes it's also connecting with, with, uh, with folks who have... Um, who have also had that struggle, or who have been in that in that in that dark space, and how they navigate that too. And so sometimes it's it's a, having that circle of um, of friends or that can help us sort of get through that particular space um, that we're, that we're in. Um, and then ultimately, I mean, there is that stay true and faithful to scripture. You know, um, 
do those um there's so much um so many devotionals now that you can dive into devotionals that that will help you you know that speak to that being in that dark space and how god can um can pull us through those dark spaces and and those dark spaces are you know it you know you whether it's elisha whether it's uh whether it's david like you know there's people who talk about their own personal dark spaces you know and so it's finding studies that kind of help us to sort of navigate through those sort of dark spaces that we may um that we may that we may be in kind of a thing and and i think what i find for me that you know even now i wouldn't necessarily say there's dark spaces but you know i'm there's spaces where i find myself where i'm sort of still questioning and i have to find and I'm, i end up looking for for uh devotionals that will offer answers you know or help direct me or help guide me in sort of thinking through that particular piece the situation i'm dealing with so but a perfect example is like and, and one could say this is a dark space is if you look at the level of anti-black racism right now and the, and and how that has uh, and, the, and the rise of white nationalism within the within the Christian evangelical movement, I found myself trying to understand racism in the church, and you know, and 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 honestly, I could have found myself in a place where I can be very hateful towards the church, mm-hmm. right? Just given everything that's been going on, the lack of um, voice from Christian leadership that needs to speak up on these issues. You know, uh, rather than pandering to power, yeah. if it wasn't for scripture and trying to understand, okay, God, but where am I in all of this? Because I'm the one that's on the side of this anti-black racism, Yeah. you know, and this is supposed to be your church. This is supposed to be, we're supposed to be looking at each other as brothers and sisters, but I'm just not feeling that brotherly love or that sisterly yeah. love right yeah. now, yeah. you know? And so... If it wasn't for me diving into scripture and understanding that, you know, that one, we're all loved by God, you know, and and two, that we're all created in the image and likeness of God, you know? And so what does that mean for me as a as a black male in a society that doesn't that does not necessarily value black male life or black female life? And so it was scripture that allowed me, it's scripture and prayer that allowed me to sort of navigate that particular space. So I think when we do get in those dark spaces is just finding scripture that allows us to sort of, uh, that gives us the strength while we're in that dark space to be able to sort of navigate through that dark space and come out on, on the other side. Yeah, yeah, I love that, yeah. So, okay, so I'm gonna jump into, I wanna talk a little bit about being a preacher's kid. I think we know that firsthand what that's like. And I guess I just wanted to get your um, opinion on what that experience was like. Like, did you feel, as a kid especially, so not so much as an adult, and maybe also as an adult, but did you feel, like, different or that you had to prove yourself? Like, what what was that experience like for you? Now that I'm an adult, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) But honestly... Yeah, I, I, there was pressure. Yeah, there's pressure as a PK, mm-hmm. um, and I think that was why my life was lived the way it was lived as a teen, as a as a young person growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, I had I you know I think there was a pressure of uh, for me there was a pressure of being the eldest child. So yeah. there's certain uh, expectations that come with that, but then there's also the pressure of being at to your point, pressure of being a preacher's kid. 
Yeah. You know, I, I had to carry and live my life a certain way, mm-hmm. you know, and I couldn't I couldn't make any mistakes. If I made any mistakes, that was like 10 times worse than the Deacon's kid. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so, you know, you, you, there's no room for for you as a young person to grow and and make mistakes. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, I really felt the pressure to sort of, for lack of a better term, to perform, you know, to perform that sort of like, uh, almost like that uh, royalty, you know, you can't yeah. err, you can't do anything, uh, you just kind of wave, you yeah. know, I felt that pressure to, to, to do that. And um, and I think that pressure came from the, from two things. One, uh, well, I think the most important piece I would actually would say is the fear of damaging your parents' reputation. Yeah, yeah. Really, that's what it was. Like you, ha- as a child, you had no reputation, so you had nothing to worry about. Yeah. But then, if you slipped and fell, and fell in a big way, then people are going, "Oh my gosh, the pastor's son! Oh, you can believe that the pastor is coming preaching us on Sunday, and look what his son is doing!" Da, 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 da. Yeah. And so, there's that pressure to make certain that you didn't impact your parents' reputation mm-hmm. in the in the community that you lived in, but also in the broader. Yeah. larger community of preachers you know definitely a, an experience being a preacher's kid i can say i don't know i was i was interested in you know you touched on it a little bit but i was interested in in hearing a bit about what is it like to be the old is there a difference being the oldest preacher's kid <laughs> as opposed to like in the middle or at the end like i don't know like is there more um because you're performing for your siblings as well or not really no, I, I would say that I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that I felt. Um, I think the pressure was. This, I think the pressure was. Well, that'd be the two-pole pressure. I think, like I say, one is the community, but then there's a, the sibling. But I don't necessarily say that. I, I, I think for the sibling part, it was like any sibling is just being an example. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 So, what is your most embarrassing church memory? I'm sure there's something. <laughs> <laughs> embarrassing church moment. You know, I would have to say probably it came as you got older, because we have to remember we, have to, we used to sing <laughs> as a family. <laughs> I think as you get older, when your kid is all cool and everything, isn't as you get older, it's sort of like this is not so cool anymore. Ever. I don't think I ever remembered it being cool ever. <laughs> not cool, but you, you, you kind of can deal with it when you're younger, right? Because you didn't know any better, <laughs> you know, just get up and you sang, right? But as you get older, it's like going. Do we still have to do this? Like, <laughs> I, I can remember, I can remember singing as a family in like in um, in um, in Morristown or out in Lake Paul. I'm thinking, I'm in grade eleven, man. Like seriously, oh my goodness! Like, what are the grade eleven kids doing? I can say, like, I know for me, it's like I remember it, but I feel like the oldest I remember being doing that is maybe like ten. And then after that, I don't know that we did it that often, maybe 10, maybe 12. But when I was in high school, I wasn't singing in front of church. Like I was in like the, the youth choir and that, but we didn't do the family thing anymore. And I was very happy for that. I don't think I could have been able to handle that. I was so mortified. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, that would, that, that, that would be the thing was just the singing as I got older. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so we'll move on to Bible verses. So this is kind of like wrapping up. Um, yep. And I just want to ask you a little bit about a few Bible verses. Uh, first question would be the first Bible verse that you remember hearing. For God so loved the world, <laughs> that he gave his only begotten son, that who shall believe in him shall not die, 
have everlasting life. That's the very first Bible verse. John 3.16, that's the famous. John 3.16, the very first Bible verse. So yeah. what about your first, so would John 3.16 be the first one that you memorize as well? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. 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 And what about your favorite Bible verse? So I was looking at so, so my favorite Bible verse and the one that speaks to me the most right now mm-hmm. are kind of the same okay. because there's always place in my head and it's Proverbs chapter three, verses five, five to 12. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume you know it all. Run to God, run from evil. Mm-hmm. Your body will glow with health. Your bones will vibrate with life. Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Your, bar- your barns will burst. Your wine vats will brim over. But don't, but don't, dear friend, resent God's discipline. Don't sulk under his loving correction. It's a child he loves that God corrects. A father delights. A father's delight is behind all this. And there's, there's, there's two pieces for that that always stick in my head. And that's it's trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure it out on your own. And funny thing about it is, is that that last part, it's God, it's a child he loves that God corrects. Yeah. And I find myself even telling young people like in our program, I say, you know, is that when you get correction, that means somebody cares and they love you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard for us to even contemplate that that actually, because we don't have the same understanding of discipline in our society as, you know, uh, we, di- discipline is, it's either uh, abusive mm-hmm. or non-existent. I find myself that that goes through my head all the time, mm-hmm. all the time, no matter what situation I'm in, trust God, you know, um, and, you know, as we're going through the situations right now in the world, trust God, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and that's what, that's what I have to lean on. Mm-hmm. And so that's the verse that I find that's sort of like that constantly repetitive verse, verse yeah. in my head uh, yeah. at this moment in time. And I would say essentially now is my favorite, mm-hmm. is my favorite verse. Yeah, I love yeah. that verse. I think it is. It's a, it's a really good reminder that we, like what we were talking about earlier, that we don't know the plans. Like God, he knows the plans he has for us. And... He knows, mm. he sees the big picture that we just can't see. Yeah. And, his, yeah. <laughs> and I love also that verse that says like, his, my ways are not your ways. And my yeah. Thoughts are not your thoughts. They're not your thoughts, yeah. Yeah. And even as you're saying that, and then the, the other verse is that, um, um, oh my gosh, you just you just touched on it a little bit there. In, um, oh, the Jeremiah 29, 11. Um, I know the plans I have for you. I have the plans for you. Yeah, yeah. Those are yeah. So those those three right there, you know. And I think that's and it, you know, and I think that's the hardest part for us in this world in which we live, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and you going back to that whole thing about you know we talked about faith and religion earlier. This is where faith comes into play. Faith is trusting God yeah. Yeah. from the bottom of your heart, yeah. and you're not trying to figure anything out. Yeah. You're just trusting him that he's going to lead you mm-hmm. and direct you in what's best for you. Mm-hmm. His ways, not our ways. Yeah. And when, trust me, when I've gone my way, I've been moderately successful. Mm-hmm. Or I've failed. Yeah. Okay? But when I've gone his way, it's, been like, it's just been up. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, and I always say glory on glory, glory upon glory. You know, that's exactly what it is because it just keeps, yeah. things just keep getting better, and you're just like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I look back, I look back and say, like, you know, 12 years ago when I came home, I would not be, I wouldn't think I'd be here today. Yeah, I wouldn't. Like, this is not, you know, I figured 12 years ago when I came back home, I'm starting from the bottom. Yeah, you know. And um, I've never been in any one job longer than four years. Yeah, yeah. I'm 12 years at the club, yeah. right? But that's because that's to me that's that's just trusting God. And even now, you know, I I am I ecstatic in my position. Yeah, there's some concerns that I have, yeah. but at the same time, I'm I'm trusting that God's going to lead me to where He wants me to be. Right now, I just have to settle myself in what I need to learn and what I need to develop, and then he will lead me from there. So it's really, you know, even even with the opportunities to, like, for example, I've actually done more preaching in the last year and a half than I probably did prior to the last 12 years. Yeah, wow. Right? Like, probably the most preaching I've done since I left seminary, yeah. honestly. And, you know, and so that's me just saying, okay, God, you know, I'm just going to trust you to open those doors and if there's opportunities for me to, to share then I will share if, trust me if I wasn't if people didn't like what I was sharing they wouldn't ask me back exactly. it's as simple as that mm-hmm. you know and so you know I, I'm just trusting that God is using me mm-hmm. uh, and um, and and I just and that's what I have to do at this stage in my in this stage of my life I have nothing to gain at this stage of my life by trying to control anything I think when you're younger, you that's how we operate. We try to control everything. We try to see if we can manipulate yeah. the situation to 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 yeah. benefit us, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think the other thing we have to be careful of too is that we have to be careful that we don't compare ourselves to others, yeah. you know. And I think that's where that trusting God comes into play. When I start to compare to myself to others, then I'm not trusting God. I'm mm-hmm. trusting my own skills and my own talents, kind of a thing. And mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 there comes a point in time we have to say, you know, I can't compare myself to others because if I compare myself to others, then I'm not going to. Um, I'm. I'm never. I'm never going to achieve if I'm comparing myself to others. I will always be trying to get up keep up with the joneses yeah you know yeah. and uh and the way that's, the doors. that's definitely an important point that we need to that god what god has for you nobody else can take away so yeah you gotta be yeah. open to whatever he has and yeah and follow that path well thank you howard for taking the time to talk to me it was a really good conversation it was nice to hear um just from you and like what your journey's been like i'm always interested in hearing what other people are going through and you know how they relate to God and what they do when they're doubting so thank you for taking the time thank you very much for the opportunity to share yeah and look forward to hearing hey thank you for joining us I hope you enjoyed today's show new conversations are released bi-weekly on Thursday mornings follow us on Instagram at Prophets and Prodigals that's Prophets A-N-D Prodigals visit our website at prophetsandprodigals.com to follow our blog where we post information insights and resources about upcoming shows today's featured scripture is Proverbs 3 5-12 so don't be shy grab a bible and look it up See what is being spoken directly to your heart and reflect. It's been a pleasure. I hope you'll join us again in two weeks. Take care.